Hey, St. Paul, and welcome to episode six of our study on Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. Tommy, good to see you today. Thank you, John, as well. Thank you. And it is very good to know that uh, you have joined us and uh, those who are listening on our podcast through our website, through Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes. We're just about everywhere, Tommy. <laughs> you can't <laughs> That's help. scary. Yeah, it is. It is. You just can't get away from us. We're uh, actually uh, starting the next section of uh, Richard Foster's book, Richard Foster, uh, in his book, Celebration of Disciplines, has three sections. He separates the disciplines that are inward, the disciplines that are outward, and the disciplines that are corporate. So we finished up the, uh, the inward disciplines. You can listen to those on previous podcasts. But this one here, we were, Tommy and I were just talking beforehand how very close this discipline on simplicity is. It could go either way. It could be inward or outward, couldn't it? Absolutely. And what we'll see here is that there is uh, something that goes on on the inside of us that affects how we treat others, how we see others, how we see ourselves in other people's eyes, and ultimately how uh, God sees us. And I think that's probably the main thing that Richard Foster wants us to step into is to receive our identity, not by our own eyes or see by looking in the mirror, by what we see in our past and our calendars for the future in the past, but to see ourselves through the eyes of our our God. Tommy, what did you think about this chapter? John, as I, as I said before we started, it was a, a difficult chapter for me, and I had to go over it several times, and like you said, it, it can be an inward or an outward, but they're, they're correlated together. And I think if we really study this, this discipline of simplicity— we go back to what Foster said from the beginning. Superficiality is the curse of our ages. There's an old acronym, KISS, keep it simple, stupid. You know? yes. And I, I think simplicity is the state of being simple. Not in a negative way, but it's uncomplicated. And it's freedom. And the question is, freedom from what? It all comes back to freedom from ourselves. Yeah, he actually dis- it defines what Christian the, the Christian discipline of simplicity is, and he says it is an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. We deceive ourselves if we believe we can possess the inward reality without its having a profound effect on how we live. And to attempt to arrange an outward lifestyle of simplicity without that inward reality leads to deadly legalism. So these two are married together, uh, the heart, the head. I have often said, and I truly believe that what we do has a very difficult time of changing who we are, changing our heart. But our heart will always change what we do. 
Foster wants us to not try to spin a bunch of plates on our fingers and toes and try to keep them all spinning so they don't fall and, and crash, but to center in on that one thing of uh, that inward reality of seeing ourselves through the eyes of God and uh, knowing who we are, and we don't have to measure up to other people's lives. Exactly, and Foster mentions uh, basically freedom from the self, and simplicity frees us from the tyranny of, of the self, of things, and of people. And when you talk about the self, you're talking about a human being that's living in a society that we live in, where it's an affluent society. society. And we clamor for attention, for recognition, self-recognition, and we are totally controlled by the self. And we indulge ourselves to look good, which we all want to do, to look wiser, and to impress people with our degrees and our titles. We all probably can picture in our mind, uh, of course, none of us will admit this that we do this <laughs> ourselves, but how we inflate ourselves, inflate, you know, to make ourselves more important than we really are, to uh, make ourselves more needed than we really are, um, and, and how that captures and imprisons us, really, how we live our lives. I have to tell you a story that happened years ago uh, with an advisor that we were speaking with. And this guy was so impressed with himself that in his office is probably not a space that was not covered with some kind of recognition of what he'd done. Uh, and his business card was full of letters. Letters, you know. <laughs> letters after his name. And the guy that I was with that was with me was a tax attorney. And probably one of the smartest tax attorneys I've ever been around. And we get through all this, well, I did this and I did that, and I'm on this board and I'm on that board. And, and it was in a, a, a town in Georgia, a very fluent town. And at the end of the, his little dialogue, he said, now, what do y'all do? And this guy's name was Steve. Steve says, well, I went to Florida State got my master in taxation from New York University. And I am a member of SAM. And he said, SAM, what's that? He said, Sam's Club. <laughs> this guy looked at us with this face like, well, you got me on that one. <laughs> but that was, that was absolutely what I'm talking about. I mean, think of it, Tommy. So many people define who they are by what they do. Yeah. I, I think about when, you know, having three kids, when I am at the school with my son or my daughter, I am the parent of John, Anna, or Katie. If I'm on the, the ball field as a coach, I'm coach. And if I'm a, a minister, I'm a minister. And, and we define ourselves by what we are currently doing at that time. I mean, ministers get together, and when they gather together, one of the first questions that they ask is, where do you serve? As if the identity of who we are is where we serve. 
and that that might have so much more and it just when you were telling that story of uh the sam club that's what i thought of and it does imprison us it really does and you know all this adds up to living a life of duplicity a life of of really deceiving ourselves and of deception who we really are and you know god made us simple in ecclesiastes you can go there and and see that he made man simple and we talk about things and the tyranny of things and foster really hits the nail on the head when he talks about things and he says out of fear that others just might find out who we really are and and we live in this artificial world of houses and cars and clothes and and where we live and things like that now let me stop right there and say (laughs) i think we all want to have nice things but I think the point is, is don't let those things control us. That's the key. Don't let those be the paramount things in our lives. It's nice to have a nice car. It's nice to have a nice home that's furnished nicely. And thank goodness I have a wife that knows how to do all this stuff because I certainly wouldn't. You know, that that's the comfort that we have uh, uh, being a home instead of a house. You know, where you, it is a home. But the, the key is don't let us be addictive to those things and be controlled about things, cars, titles on business cards or, or whatever, whatever we do. There's this ability, and I love the words that you use to allow it to control us. And that's what it does, that we want more. We uh, are schedules and our time and our mind and our resources are gathered together and pointed towards this idea or this desire to accumulate more and just to as you said create this artificial world for the sole purpose of impressing somebody else that's what the tyranny of things does to us that's the effect that it has on this. And just think of how that can control us. I mean, it prevents us from spending quality of time of being focused with somebody we love and in communicating with them in truthful way and simple ways um, and not having ulterior motives to try to get somebody to do what we want. It gives us the opportunity to have these resources to be able to give away. If your desire is to accumulate, then it's much more difficult to give it away and to become the hands and feet. I mean, it's not the actual things that get in the way. It's the love of those and the, that the usurping of God being first in our lives. Just remember, Jesus told us very succinctly that you cannot have two masters. You will hate the one and love the other, which brings me back to Ecclesiastes. And Solomon reminds us that our complex problems are our own devising or our own making of those problems. We invent those problems mm. by not leaving, living that simple life. Now, 
I grew up in a home uh, that was simple. We enjoyed meals together. We went to church together. And it was a wonderful lifestyle. But we were a family. And I remember the first television we got in 1952, and that tells you how old I am. But it's black and white. And we had one of those old antennas that you turn the uh, remote and it circled around <laughs> what station you were on, you know. And that was great. But it didn't control us. It, w- it was something that, that was exciting because Dad and I used to watch football and baseball games every Saturday afternoon on television, and that was something that we never had. We listened to the radio. But it was a simple life. And I never did want for anything. It was just a very structured environment. And those, I think about how how much our culture today is controlled by different things. There's just so many things that are coming in and demanding people's time, people's attention, and controlling them. I mean, it's not that God wants to take those all away from us. What he wants to do is he wants to take the stinger out. After we give it back to God, he may give it back to us that we can use for his purpose as long as that stinger that harms us, that gives us this false sense of pride, this need to impress. I think of social media and people putting their pictures on, whether it's a selfie or a group picture on Instagram or some other social media, before they send it, they have the ability to filter it and to take out the blemishes, <laughs> to make sure it looks right. And, and they're not in the moment. They, they're, they're putting on this, this, uh, this shroud that uh, I want to hide and I want to make sure. And the thing, or, and there's other ways that this unfolds, but wanting that to become a way for people to look at us better, that we are bigger than we really are. Exactly. Has anybody ever told you you're too big for your britches? Yes, uh, all the time. <laughs> yes, and those are just reminders. I've heard it too. Uh, those are just reminders to at least take a moment to stop and say, now, is there any truth to that? Right. Am I missing something? Uh, the other thing that Foster really concentrates his own is the about people, other people. And interesting that... Uh, the tyranny of people and what we put ourselves through just to make sure others will like us. And, and there again, that goes back to where, who, who, who are we? Where is our identity? Is it in things or it is in people? Uh, that's, that's the core issue here. Obviously as Christians, we, and I go back to the, but is there any evidence to convict us of being a Christian? If you're in a court of law, is, it, is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? And you think about that. Is there? I think we all need to ask that question. But to do things that are out of character to us, to make people like us, that's that duplicity and that deceit that he's talking about. And 
what I came up with is, okay, if we're trying to make this right impression on somebody, whose standards are we using to make that right impression? Is it the world's standards or is it God's standards? And throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament all the way to the Revelation, it's a story of redemption. You know, it's a story of obedience. It's a story of surrendering. If we have a God that's sovereign over everything, and he made us in his image, and we are taught in the New Testament to emulate Christ, as he, he's our role model, that's who we should be trying to impress, and not with what we wear or how we present ourselves, because he accepts us just like we are. Why do you think Christians have a difficult time living into that reality? Personally, I had a problem with it for a while. I grew up in a Christian home, and my mom and dad both taught Sunday school for years and years and years. So, you know, I was fed this all along. But after leaving home and going to college and then going into the, into the world, uh, I kind of got away from, from that and enjoyed the, the worldly things. And thank goodness I was successful enough. I could afford that. But then it just, you know, the light bulb went off. And I think that has to go back to mom and dad and how the values that they had and the way they lived. And I said, you know, something's wrong here. This is not right. And I think that's why I started the journey. And it was probably probably 25 years before I figured this whole thing out. But And I hadn't figured it out yet. But at least you start. At least we become aware you, you that aware we're being controlled. And I think the older we get, the less we try to impress people with things or with, you know, what we're talking about now. The, the simple life. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, when you go, like we've kind of been on a roller coaster lately. We've been with grandchildren and we've been at a couple of weddings and coming home from this wedding this past weekend, Kathy looked at me and she said, thank goodness we don't have anything till Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I want to be home. And and that's that's really... That's really when you go into your home and you say, wow, I'm comfortable surroundings uh, and I'm not trying to meet some kind of deadline. But thanks. Simplicity frees us from the tyranny of self, of things, of people. And uh, the tyranny of self is how we see ourselves. Notice how all of this is this internal reflection that actually has this effect on how we live our lives. Um, The tyranny of self, asking ourselves the question when we are trying to challenge this tyranny of self, am I pretending to be an expert where I'm only an amateur? (laughs) Do I really read (laughs) the books I quote? Yeah. Do I try to impress people with my degrees, my titles, my honors? And that's that tyranny of self that simplicity frees us from. The tyranny of things. Um, we can ask these questions. Do I act my age? 
do I? <laughs> you don't have to, we don't have to answer that, right? Do I try to impress people with gadgets? Am I li- am I living contently within my income? And then that tyranny of people that you were talking about that we do, as he calls it, uh, horrendous gymnastics to make sure that to ensure that others will have a good opinion of ourselves. But the questions that we ask ourselves to kind of flesh this out is, uh, do I aim at excellence in my work without regard for what people say or think? Um, Must I always make an excuse for my behavior? Uh, Do I shift the story ever so slightly to make myself appear in a more favorable light? What he comes to is Foster comes to the conclusion that only the simple are free. Now, he's not talking about simple-minded. He's talking about the simple uh, fact that there's not multiple things that are controlling us, not multiple things that we are shooting at, but we find ourselves content with who God says we are, with our identity as part of the family of God. Man, I can't imagine... Uh, those that that feeling of liberation that comes when I finally, first of all, not only realize and have awareness that something is controlling me, but that next step of, of giving it back to God, how liberating that can become. Absolutely, John. And he mentions also, um, it is truly amazing that our lust for affluence status and things produce anxiety and worry. This is rampant in our society today. Worry and anxiety. Uh, you know, it's no telling how many prescriptions has been written for anxiety, drugs, and things like that. And it's interesting that he he references Kierkegaard, and he writes, "Riches and abundance come hypocritically." clad in sheep's clothing, pretending to be security against anxiety. But they become the object of anxiety. It's like the wolf put in charge of tending the sheep. That's food for thought. So we come to his mention of freedom comes from these three inner attitudes that we have. And that's what we have, we receive as a gift from God. And number two, what we have is cared for by God. And number three, what we have is available to others. Those are the three inward attitudes that produce in us that outward reality of how we live. So we think about number three, what we have is available to others. And I think we only have to go to our closed closet to make that a reality, just to look at it. I know I can, and I probably need to get rid of about three-fourths of what I've got stored in there and give it away. That's liberation. And... When we come, and I think we can go to Matthew 6, when Jesus is talk about, talking about, why are you worried about where your food's going to come from? Look at the birds. That whole chapter is about worry. 
and then we get into the Beatitudes, I think is in, is it in the next chapter? Or? Chapter five. Chapter five, okay. <clears throat> so you really study the Beatitudes and listen to what he says and, and really pin that with what chapter six says. Why are you going to worry? Is it going to add another minute to your life? No. So I think if we can put our hands around these three inward attitudes, that everything that we have, we really don't own. It's a gift from God. And along with that gift, we're responsible for using those gifts in the advancement of the kingdom of God. And I think we have two choices. As you so, you you put it to, uh, now we'll forget this. You said, you know, we either live in the kingdom of the world or we live in the kingdom of God. And it's your choice. Which one do you want to live in? One's death, one's life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And Tommy, I can't honestly say that I have not been hungering and thirsting in my life at times for recognition, um, for the accumulation of things. I think we all do that. I think there are moments that we reflectively look back through the in the rearview mirror of our lives and we notice these things. And um, but the question is is that when these things come to mind, maybe it's something in the past, maybe it's something that's controlling us right now that has consumed our hearts and our aspiration and our desire. What do we do then? Do you give it over to God? Or do you just live in that moment of tension and anxiety, always questioning, always desiring? There is freedom. And if there is truth in what Richard Foster is writing when he refers to this concept and this theme, which I think is in the scripture, which I truly believe that, if he is right, then... What are we going to do about it? What, how are we going to respond? And that's just a reflective question for us all to live into. Absolutely. I am going to read something that I, I read in a, a book on uh, the life of Napoleon. And it says, when we trust that living a simple life and trust God, a beautiful mosaic called my life, will be woven. I am led by God, and all my needs are met. I'll tell you a little story about Napoleon, and he was a deserter. The story goes, in 1812, France invaded Russia unwisely, as Germany did unwisely in the Second World War. And as the French army was really encountered some very difficult times, he learned that the powers that be in France were very unhappy with him. So he said, I need to hurry home and correct this. So he, he leaves his soldiers in the battlefield to tend for themselves. The leader leaves. And he comes to this river, and there's a Russian ferryman, and he's anxious about leaving and going home. And he asked the ferryman, 
have you seen any deserters come by? He said, no, sir, you're the first one. So I think we have to look at our lives. Are we deserting the kingdom of God? Questions that if we move down this, on this road, this spiritual journey, and as Foster said from the beginning, putting ourselves in a position with God to be transformed. And you just mentioned a while ago, I think we all lust for nice things, nice cars, nice homes, nice clothes, people that we like. The key, don't let those things change who we are. God made us, and we should be thankful for who we are. And everybody's got different gifts. That's the whole purpose of the kingdom of God. All those gifts work together for the end result. The reality is that there are things that control us. Yes. And if we don't at least believe that on the surface, then we are way behind the eight ball when it comes to this. Yeah. Tommy, great words. Thank you for this discussion with us, and thank you for joining us today. Um, we hope that uh, over the next uh, few days that, uh, that God will allow to fall to the ground what is not from him and what is from him. May uh, he, through his spirit, allow it to become a gospel message of good news. God bless.